cowboy boots and an oversized embroidered coat for your night out at the nautically themed. Hang on. I write long sentences, right? So it's like, where do I go back to? I always find that with my own notes. <laughs> Moving back in the sentence. You're like, no one like, keeps going. Comma. Yeah. Comma. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love a good long sentence. Sorry. <laughs> so good. All right. Welcome back to the Modern Lady Podcast. You're listening to episode 98. Hi, I'm Michelle. And I'm Lindsay. And today we are talking about the spring-summer trends for 2021. Ah, spring. A time to celebrate new beginnings, new possibilities, and perhaps a new trend or two. We know, we know. Google and a curiosity about what's trending does not an influencer make. However, we just couldn't ignore this year's spring and summer trends because in the end, this year's trends point to the creativity of the human spirit and the grit of a culture immersed in uncertain times. But first, do you love this podcast? Do you want more from The Modern Lady? Become a Patreon supporter and for just $5 a month, you will have exclusive access to our sister podcast, The Friday Finishing School. Find the link in our show notes. Another way that you can support this show is by subscribing to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts so that you never miss an episode. We are so thankful for every rating, review, and comment you leave us. Your reviews on iTunes help new listeners discover us. This week's shout out goes to Steph Fisher, who left us a wonderful rating and review on iTunes and said, quote, I'm so grateful that I found this podcast. Michelle and Lindsay do a great job of discussing the joy and dignity of being a homemaker and mother. As a Catholic first-time mother, I have related to and learned from pretty much every topic they have discussed. Even those who aren't Catholic will enjoy this podcast because it is so practical and fun. Lindsay and Michelle are lighthearted and honest, and they are always thinking of interesting topics to discuss." End quote. Well, thank you so much, Steph, for your comment and review. We love that you are so willing to join us around the proverbial table to chat about all the topics and that you are also so willing to deep dive into all of our various interests with us. And if you would like to leave us a comment, you can do so on our website, www.themodernlady1950.wordpress.com, or you can leave us a comment on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube, where you can find us at The Modern Lady Podcast. Before we get into today's chat, Lindsay has our Modern Lady Tip of the Week. Like so many of you, I follow the now famous Instagram account at GoCleanCo, and there is something that they use all the time that has made a totally unexpected comeback, and I wanted to look further into this product. I'm talking about Powdered Tide. I wish I could be a fly on the wall of Tide headquarters as they meet and discuss the shocking boost of Powdered Tide sales. Most of us haven't touched the stuff in over a decade. So I haven't yet taken the plunge and purchased it, mostly because my small local grocery store doesn't even carry it anymore. So in order for me to go out of my way to find some Powdered Tide, I wanted to just find out a little bit more about the things that I can use it on. The first thing I came across is a recipe for an all-purpose cleaner that apparently Go Clean Co. swears by. It's one third of a cup of bleach, one gallon of water, and one teaspoon of powdered Tide. You can use it on walls, bathroom surfaces, and pretty much on anything. 
they were very clear that you only mix powdered Tide with a little bleach and water and nothing else. That mixing cleaning products can send you right to the hospital. I also saw that powdered Tide can be used on upholstery stains. You pour a little bit onto the stain and work it in with a damp cloth and let it sit and then brush away the excess. You repeat this process until the stain is gone. Then I saw that you can use it as a floor cleaner and I love this idea. Know again that a little goes a long way and just one teaspoon in a bucket of hot water will leave your floors really clean. How about oven racks? Okay, really? Tasteofhome.com suggests placing your greasy oven racks in the tub overnight, submerged in water with three quarters of a cup of laundry detergent, and then scrub the next morning. This doesn't specify whether it's liquid or powdered detergent, but I am intrigued. And it also said that you could do this with a dishwasher tab. So why powdered Tide? Go Clean Co. explains some of the science behind its cleaning power. It contains surfactants, and surfactants break up greasy stains and food residue things that naturally don't dissolve in just water alone. Powdered Tide also contains enzymes that break down dirt into smaller particles, which are easier to wash away. Now, I know we have listeners who are all about using as little chemicals as possible in their homes, and that's awesome. I just really wanted to do a little more research into this trend, and I thought I'd share it with you all. Yeah, the Go Clean Co. Powdered Tide bandwagon is a (laughs) fascinating study of... social media advertising which I don't even know they might now but I know like certainly when they started they were not paid by powdered tide but they should have definitely bought stocks in powdered tide (laughs) Um, and I remember going to Costco once specifically to look for one of those big boxes of Mm -hmm. powdered tide and there were none left and I was like I'm not the only one watching go clean co (laughs) wild (laughs) Yep. And you know, I would say the only thing that rivals it is Barkeeper's Friend, right? Yes. (laughs) You've purchased for me as a gift. (laughs) And I think it's those two (laughs) things that no one saw coming out of nowhere. The meteoric rise of Powder Tide and Barkeeper's Friend. This episode of the Modern Lady Podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Being tired suburban moms in our 30s and 40s doesn't exactly make us influencers, and you might want to look to more reputable sources for new fashion and beauty trends. Please contact the professionals to find out if puffy sleeves and shoulder pads really are back in style before purchasing said items. And please, for the sake of all that is beautiful, don't go out and buy black leather shorts, cowboy boots, and an oversized embroidered coat for your night out at a nautically themed bar based on this episode of the Modern Lady Podcast without double checking to make sure that all the cool Instagrammers are doing it first. Thank you and enjoy this episode. Okay, everyone, here it is, our third annual Spring Trends episode. You know, if you had asked me when we first started the podcast what our one recurring themed episode would be, I have to say that spring trends would probably (laughs) not even have been on my radar. (laughs) And yet, Lindsay, here we are once again with all one would need to know to be in the know this season. (laughs) It is. That is so true. It's like the thing 
we probably <laughs> care least about, but it's, it's so much fun. <laughs> and so, yes. yeah, this year started, you know, spring started rolling around and I'm like, Michelle, we, we have to do this. This is, <laughs> People are going to be turning to the modern lady to find out what our spring trends are this year. And so, yeah, it's a, uh, we know you're not actually, but we just really enjoy this episode. <laughs> we enjoy looking into it and it's just such a fun conversation. So mm-hmm. yeah, you're totally right. I would have never predicted that this would be a topic we would revisit, well, annually. Yes. But you know, when we were um, just initially beginning the research and forming this podcast episode, we were actually a little bit uh, bemused maybe Mm -hmm. at how, like, obviously trends often follow culture and uh, what's happening in the world. But in particular, this year, that does seem to be uh, quite more prevalent than perhaps in previous years. Yeah, especially because when I was looking at fashion, and I, I guess I'll give this one away now, but it, it just reminded everybody that a black face mask is just the most fashion friendly. Like it goes with most outfits. Oh, <laughs> and wow. I'm like, wow, we're there. <laughs> yes. We're there. Yeah. <laughs> and I I did not do quite as much research as you did, but I did happen to sub- stumble upon one of the shoe trends being slippers. Mm-hmm. Did I see that yes. correctly? And yes, I was like, did. wow. If there was anything more indicative of um, the trends of 2021, it's black face masks and Mm -hmm. slippers. (laughs) So you and I did a little listening back, right, to our previous Spring Mm -hmm. Trends episodes, which we recommend um, that you guys do too if you want to hear it all. But I think... What I really liked was actually our conversation um, that was obviously very light and fun between us. And just this idea that we're all about women making friendships. And we kept saying in the last two episodes, like if you're at the park, you know, and you're still having to keep your distance, but you were really been cooped up for a while and you don't know what to start a conversation with, like you can start with any of these spring trends and be like, do you know what? Mm. I heard this on the Modern Lady podcast. Um, We just think that this is just (laughs) such a... We talk about heavy things sometimes, but this is also mm-hmm. what ladies like talking about, right? We do want to know what's in style, whether we dress like that or go buy it is totally separate from the fact that we just like to know, right? I like to mm-hmm. be in the know. I'm probably not going to buy any of these things, but my daughter happened to be wearing one of these things the other day and I was like, oh, you're totally on trend. And she's like, don't I know it, mom? So if we can just be your oh. guide into being a little bit cooler around the teenagers, um, we're happy to do that for you. Oh, my goodness. It's so true. Um, you know, women have a natural tendency towards beauty, mm-hmm. right? And while, I don't know, sometimes you can look at runways and, I mean, it might be a stretch to find the objective beauty mm-hmm. <laughs> in like a true fashion runway and, or maybe that's just me um but i think what is really interesting about seeing these trends is that always people will see the trend and the true trend setters will figure out a way to make it theirs yeah right yeah. and so that's one thing i have enjoyed about these past episodes is not only being able to see it out in the wild, I guess, <laughs> once we talk about it, but then also being able to appreciate when I do see it out there um, to see, oh, well, that person changed it up and they're doing it slightly differently. And how cool, how unique. It's really, really is still a creative flex. 
And selfishly, you and I have enjoyed in the past being like, we predicted that on the podcast. That was one of the trends that we pulled out, right? (laughs) And so speaking of that, when I went back and listened to the old ones, we've decided to pull out some of the things that we had said that were trendy for 2019 and 2020. And we're going to stack them up against some of the trends today to see if they Mm -hmm. are no longer in style um, or if, you know, the style is continuing on. Mm-hmm. So on that note, we're going to start in fashion, mm-hmm. and I'm going to throw out at you, Lindsay, some of our past uh, statements, I guess, on the trends of the past of those years that we did the episodes previously, and then you're going to come back with what is new about it or the completely different direction, perhaps, <laughs> yes. it's going now. Uh So in the 2019-2020 episodes, we were talking about uh, Birkenstocks and comfy shoes. Uh, Are these still a thing? Well, we mentioned slippers. Right. uh, But besides that, what are we looking at here? Well, comfy shoes totally are still a thing. And it's funny because when they were first in style, it had nothing to do, right, with COVID or quarantines. Mm -hmm. And so that really has continued on. Uh, We're still seeing a lot of Birkenstocks, but um, girls are doing the socks with the Birkenstocks. And I think Mm -hmm. guys are doing it too. It is really trendy to have the socks and sandals look that was an awful look for most of the last 20 years and is now very on trend. Um, continuing on with the comfy shoes, flats are still actually really in, and but they're like chunkier. It's a good chunky shoe mm-hmm. right now, I would say. I have actually been hankering for a pair of like penny loafers for a while now. And I don't know Ooh. if penny loafers specifically are in style, but I feel like I'm onto something by liking like a chunkier flat. Mm-hmm. And when I was buying shoes for my daughter for Christmas, platform Doc Martens, they were everywhere. Just, they had the regular Doc mm-hmm. Martens, again, the really chunky platform Doc Martens. The other type of footwear that I thought was actually quite intriguing um, are white knee high boots, but they're a little slouchy. They're not like tight to the leg. And they actually okay. look really, really cute with like spring patterned floral dresses um, over top of them. Mm. So of all the things, I never would have thought I'd buy a pair of white knee high boots. I still might not, but I'm actually quite drawn to them. Okay, so a note about these platform soles of the mm-hmm. shoes. Um, this is giving me some Spice Girls mm-hmm. flashbacks and vibes. Um, I'm not sure about that. I'm not sure about the platforms. <laughs> we loved uh, a good platform in the Spice Girl days. And I can tell you that there was many a sprained un- uh, ankle among me and my friends with our big <laughs> Steve Madden black pa- um, platform shoes and our big boots that we all wore in the late 90s. So just, yeah, be on, be on your guard for a little sprained ankle action. Wow. Yes. Um, I guess we have to be ready to suffer a bit of danger and risk (laughs) when we want to be (laughs) in the know with fashion. (laughs) I am happy to see knee-high boots come back, though. I never thought about white slouchy ones, but I I love, like, the riding boot. Oh, yes. Those are actually very in style, Michelle. The equestrian boot. Yeah, they were. I didn't actually put them in my notes, but that was because there was only so many knee-high boots I could talk about. But yes, (laughs) equestrian-styled boots, totally on trend. This makes me so happy and just confirms that when it comes to trends, I'm usually just so far behind that I'm actually ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so moving on, um, oversized men's t-shirts. I remember you talking about this last year that your daughter and her friends were going to Value Village Mm -hmm. to buy out these oversized men's t-shirts. 
is this still a thing? It is. So they're not. Okay. So back in, in the day, a year ago, uh, they were, as we described, like the ones that your dad would buy on vacation. I think I used Myrtle Beach as the example. So it'd be like a tacky, <laughs> oh, yeah. extra, extra large t-shirt that was like at the back of the closet forever. Right. And then nobody wanted. And suddenly all of these really stylish, like teenage and early twenties girls were wearing these dad t-shirts. And so over, I would say that oversized is still very, very, very much in maybe not those designs on the t-shirts and they are doing them with the French tuck, right? It is the mm-hmm. front of the oversized shirt tucked in also a very nineties thing. Um, but yeah, with the French tuck and then there are countless videos on Instagram about how to get like a non puffy French tuck in the front, which some of us don't need additional puffing (laughs) out in the front. (laughs) Oh, I love a good French tuck. Mm -hmm. I didn't know those went out of style. No. Yeah, I guess. But it looks chic, Mm -hmm. right? It looks chic while still keeping you relaxed, your outfit. Um, It just, it kind of classes it up a little bit, just your everyday wear. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so this is where we get a little bit odd, (laughs) I guess you could say, with the fashion trends. Here we have, um, in the past, ugly patterns, disco collars, two-piece suits, but with knee-length shorts. I remember that, the Bermuda shorts. So um, what is going on there? (laughs) Oh, I remember when we were doing that research, that was everywhere last year on the like Mm -hmm. high fashion pages. I can honestly say, thank goodness, we never really saw that hit, I think, street style. (laughs) I don't really recall seeing too many people out with ugly patterns from the 70s, the big wide disco collar open. And thank Mm -hmm. goodness we didn't see the the, suit jacket with the knee length Bermuda shorts. Now, this has... I guess grown into or it's become the look now is still a blazer but it's the oversized Mm -hmm. it's called the boyfriend blazer and it's got the massive shoulder pads but Michelle instead of knee length shorts Mm -hmm. they're being worn sometimes sometimes with little black leather shorts (laughs) wow I didn't think Bermuda shorts could get stranger but (laughs) I think we've done that Uh, I did not know how I felt about that. You mentioned it briefly about the black leather shorts. Mm -hmm. And so I had to look for examples because I just couldn't visualize it for myself. But I I do have to say um, there are some stylings of it that are not uh, crazy to me that I I saw. Yeah. So yeah, like while I can't really see an occasion for me in my stage of life (laughs) (laughs) to go about in leather shorts and an oversized blazer, actually it looks a little bit more like a nice style to me than the Bermuda shorts did. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If I were 18 and six foot one, um, I would look fantastic. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> uh, that, yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> okay. And so this brings us to colors because I think actually one of the things about the, the suit jacket with the Bermuda shorts was actually um, the colors that it was in, mm-hmm. but um, the even the palette has changed from yeah. last year to this year, right? Yeah, yeah. So last year we talked about very bright highlighter colors. There's still a mm-hmm. lot of color. So okay, there's a lot of color, but then also black and white has made a return. But when we talk in terms of mm. color, so for those blazers, you're going to want to look for a powder blue, charcoal, or other neutrals. But 
when we go in terms of color for dresses, for the rest of clothing, for some of the like two piece suits, it's all about sorbet and pastel colors. And I absolutely love this trend. Although I have never really worn any of those colors. I pretty mm -hmm. much have worn black my whole life. Um, I still really love them. And it's just that look, it's very tropical. It's just, it, the colors look so beautiful. And this, I think if there is one thing I'm going to take away from this episode is I might push myself out of my comfort zone and buy some of those colors. We're talking like beautiful peaches and lavenders, but then like maybe mixed together, right? A really light peach or like a peach sweater of a very thin material then with a gorgeous like lavender blazer over it. It actually looks really, really beautiful. So I'm really excited about these colors. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't have really thought about the sorbet colors mm -hmm. because I, yeah, I usually wear more jewel tones. And so I just never thought that I would, I, I'm still not sure about pastels mm -hmm. for my skin tone, but sorbet colors, yes. Yeah. So uh, I'm really interested too. Uh, and also I kind of like that they put those, you know, stiffer, more formal business-like attire, like the blazers. Mm -hmm in those tropical fun colors yeah yeah it is really really pretty if there's something that we suggest you guys actually look up it's look those outfits up because they're it's hard to describe right but they do mm -hmm. look really really pretty when you look them up um speaking of color as well if you're going to buy one new purse this spring summer you've got to go with yellow and it's more butter mm. than lemon but you everybody is going to have a yellow purse okay now just in case you were thinking all of it was really good this year it's still okay there's still this lingering 1970s vibe uh in terms of color so the other color combo that people are seeing is camel and yellow speaking back again about yellow it is apparently the mm -hmm. hottest color combo to try so it's like a light brown and mustard and it sounds very unappetizing now it actually looked really nice in the in the photos of it when it's really well styled but yeah i would have never expected to see camel and yellow paired together yeah i i can't really visualize it either camel's not too bad yeah i love I've a good camel that. Mm -hmm. yeah hmm. but, yeah <laughs> Okay, and so the the last thing on the fashion end that we're going to really be looking into was the the fact that white flowy dresses was really in style last year. And I remember that. I remember seeing a lot of that on my Instagram feeds. Um, are we still seeing that white flowy dress vibe? I did not find a single plain white dress. Everything was so patterned and so colorful. And honestly, this might be again, like a pushback to having just been so locked down for, we want to get out. We want vibrant colors and just like this energy, right? Of life, mm. of beauty, of fun. So there is a lot of floral happening, flowers on everything, which is awesome. Um, but yeah, just a lot of fabric, a lot of pattern and um a big puffy sleeves we talked I think we talked about those in the past but they are huge mm. obviously and I literally mean that like the puffy sleeves are huge um <laughs> there's a funny Instagram <laughs> and TikTok videos of women hiding things in their puffy <laughs> sleeves <laughs> and pulling out like entire bottles of wine and stuff so um yeah so picture like a really delicate feminine pretty dress like cinched in maybe a little ruching at you know the bodice and then the big mm -hmm. puffy sleeves and a really pretty full skirt and and floral and like pastel florals it's just so feminine and pretty I really like that actually and Anne Shirley would approve mm -hmm. from Anne of Green Gables she was all about her puff sleeves right she sure was <laughs> 
And this trend actually reminds me of an Instagram account I just started following mm-hmm. called No Feature Walls. Um, and <laughs> I'm laughing because I've, <laughs> I've been saying Why? that for a long time. <laughs> As somebody who has a couple of feature walls, I've also, <laughs> that's hilarious. I know. Okay. I thought to myself too, I'm like, I don't know if I'm ready to give up the feature wall. But <laughs> in any case, this woman, uh, her name is Laura, who runs the account. And she actually does wear a lot of these floral patterns longer dresses Mm -hmm. but also the the I think the point of her account is also to feature wallpaper Mm -hmm. um that obviously is on all four walls because there are no feature walls Mm -hmm. but um you know what it is it looks like it's bringing back this maximalist yes approach to aesthetic as opposed to the minimalism we've seen for so long right and I actually I think I might be a maximalist Mm -hmm. because I never quite could get myself right down to the minimalism thing. But no, maximalism is something that I would be really interested to explore more. Yeah. And that combined with a trend that we saw last year that is continuing on, which I think is called the grand millennial. So it's like grandma meets millennial, Mm -hmm. right? So you're Mm -hmm. getting all of those, like, think back to the pattern mixing of our grandmas and the wallpaper and then the floral couch and then the floral curtains. And then like a very, it was called Laura Ashley back in the eighties. That Mm -hmm. whole look is really coming back in. Um, So it is, I find it's really fun. It's way more creative, um, Mm -hmm. a lot more room for personal expression, right? When you can really start to learn how to layer patterns. That account that you turned me on to a long time ago, Chris Loves Julia, she's really good at layering patterns. And she does Mm -hmm. a lot of tutorials on how she does that, right? With all different patterns and just how she makes it work. So yeah, I feel Mm -hmm. like we're moving in a really fun direction in terms of fashion and home decor. Now, one thing that is super fun that I don't think I'll get though, it's it's the last fashion thing I think we need to talk about. Um, It is, okay, so fringe Fringes are back on purses. Um, mm-hmm. Do you remember the last time like a cowboy thing came through and there were like fringes on purses? I hated it then mm-hmm. and I hate it now. But the difference is the fringe now goes like to the ground. Like it's like a really <laughs> dramatic fringe. <laughs> oh, and some wow. are leather, some are like crocheted, some are like, I don't know, like o- octopus tentacle, like thick things. It's so, it's crazy. And and while I can see the fashion element as they're carrying it under their arm with this dramatic mm-hmm. long fringe, I can't imagine like pooling that on a table, right? <laughs> if you're out at a restaurant. Um, so yeah, the fringe purse, keep a lookout for that. <laughs> okay. I, I would get snagged in so many car doors. <laughs> If I had a fringe that long, I know I can't even handle um, like earphones with wires. (laughs) So while I am out getting snagged by my yellow purse fringe, (laughs) I'm probably going to be going to a restaurant, and so this leads us. (laughs) I I like to live with an optimistic point of view. we're going to go right into food and drink trends. These yeah. are always so fun um, to look into. And last year, I remember we talked about mocktails. Mm-hmm. Um, so really lessening the amount of alcohol in drinks, but still finding really fun ways to enjoy a, 
a happy hour. Yeah. Yeah. So we started really seeing a lot of people doing like the whole 30 or dry January, right? And trying to cut back on the alcohol a bit. That trend started um, in the last couple of years. But then as we discussed, bartenders were, they make their money off of alcohol. And so they were having to become really creative and making really delicious mocktails that used unique or higher end ingredients that would still, so they could charge a bit more for this drink, right? Than a glass of Diet Coke. Mm -hmm. So there was a lot of creativity happening with that. That is still continuing on. I think that there were a lot of people who uh, started drinking a little too much over the lockdown. And there's been some really great talk about that, a lot of openness. And so a lot of people are this year wanting to cut back again on the amount of alcohol. The other way to do that are low alcohol cocktails, which I didn't know about. And I really love this. So they're making like Mm -hmm. lower proof uh, vermouth and some of the harder distilled spirits. They're just making them a lower proof. And then they're mixing them with quote, and I'm saying this in air quotes, healthier options like a kombucha or like a, a hard iced tea, but the alcohol is like a seltzer based. So it's, yeah, Mm -hmm. you get some of the benefits of something like a kombucha. You get a little bit of the alcohol, you know, at the end of a long day, but just Mm -hmm. certainly not as hard, uh, as, as the stuff we're used to. That's really interesting. Um, do you think this would include mead? Mm, like the, yeah, the honey-based alcohol. Drink? Yeah. Yeah, because uh, this is really funny that you bring this up because Phil has been getting into brewing this year. Mm-hmm. And he's really only done cider so mm-hmm. far. Um, but he was just telling me this weekend that mead is really big right now. Mm-hmm. And it's next on his list. And that one of the reasons why is because it's a lower alcohol proof and content while it's still a refreshing drink that you can have in the warmer weather especially when it's chilled and so I wonder if that is one of the reasons why mead seems to be enjoying a bit of a resurgence in heyday oh I love that um first of all I'm going to need to try some of Phil's mead so just (laughs) (laughs) make sure that that happens um but yeah I think that that's fascinating because actually if we look back at when mead uh, was drunk and when beer was drunk all the time by women children and men throughout most of history Mm -hmm. because the water would kill them um it was very low alcohol when we look at the original ale and stuff like that drinking uh drunk throughout the years it was a very low alcohol content and so um Mm. we, we might start to see some lower alcohol content, regular beers as well. I I just never, to me, I'm so extremist, right? I'm like, well, it has to be all or Mm -hmm. nothing. And to know that they're trying to be creative in the middle, I just think is a really great way to capture a new market. Wow. I never thought that moderation would be the trend, (laughs) but here we are in the the alcohol section of all places. (laughs) Yes. Good. (laughs) Okay. So uh, last year we mentioned uh, you might be enjoying one of these beverages at a a tiki bar. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What is the deal with tiki bars these days? Well, I have learned that we cannot say tiki bar anymore. Um, I've learned that okay. it is um, culturally insensitive and it uses the iconography of that of like Polynesian cultures. And it's it's just something that they found to be a little bit of offensive. And so who am I okay. to question that? Right. So they just don't want that word being used anymore. Now, it doesn't mean that the trend isn't still happening and people are still, I think, like craving all things tropical, right? Especially Mm. people who can't get out and travel. They're just not Mm -hmm. called tiki bars anymore. Um, So we'll give you that little heads up right now. But it is the trend towards tropical and nautical themed bars is huge. So I think you're going to see Mm. a lot of that this spring, summer. I can totally see the nautical theme with the sea shanties. Oh, like, yeah. <laughs> we're just going, we're just jumping in with both feet on that trend. And I, I have to say I'm here for that one. Mm-hmm. I really would go to a nautical bar and I would join in to a rousing sea shanty. 
I think that's what we need, right? To unite us all back together, a rousing she shanty mm-hmm. night at a local yeah. pub, a not local, local nautical themed pub. I really do think that that is what 2020 needs. Uh, 2021 okay. <laughs> and 2020. Oh, that's <laughs> oh goodness. All right. When we shift our focus now to food, last year we were talking about real burgers. Mm-hmm. So um, going back to the the meat, right? Yeah. Which I was totally on board for. Um, what is that looking like these days? Please tell me that we're still staying with this trend. We are, and you were very <laughs> oh, on good. board for this trend last year in the episode. <laughs> this, you got really excited about that. Um, yeah, so there is obviously still a continued interest and push towards finding really good meat alternatives that um, we're seeing now is not mm-hmm. actually a trend, right? Like it really does seem to be one of the things going forward that will just become standardized. Um, but there mm-hmm. is that push still back to real, what we're calling real food or comfort food, right? Again, we've oh, all been okay. at home. We're maybe eating a little too much comfort food, but we want those foods done well. And what I found so interesting is that this trend is starting at home and it's making its way to the restaurants and it usually Mm -hmm. goes the other way right like restaurants usually set the trends and then we try to do things at home but restaurants are picking up on the fact that we just want mac and cheese and those burgers and really good pizza Mm -hmm. and poutine up here in Canada and so they're really (laughs) taking the cue um, to get maybe people out of their houses they're just like drawing them in with the smell of these good burgers cooking Right. And right to me, real burgers are comfort food. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) that makes a lot of sense. And I think we could see where this all started too with the, you know, the baking and the bread making Mm -hmm. that was starting at the start of the lockdowns. Uh, Banana bread, sourdough, like all those things. And truly, is there anything more comforting than freshly baked bread with butter melted on it? If a restaurant wants to make me stuff like that too, I will go pretty much anywhere for warm freshly baked bread <laughs> you know what's funny is i didn't see and i was expecting to see breads on the trends i thought mm-hmm. well i wonder if they'll carry through and it was not on a single listing about food and um so i don't know if maybe people are sourdoughed out um but yeah mm-hmm. it wasn't part of the trends but do you know what was and this i think this will be the new new sourdough homemade okay. pasta so people are buying uh, the machine. They're selling out of the kitchen aid pasta attachment, which is really expensive. So I don't know who's buying mm-hmm. that. Um, but a lot of people are doing homemade pasta this year. So that might be the new bread. Um, it's so funny that I read that because I've been saying to Jason for a couple of weeks after we were watching this one cooking show, I need a pasta roller machine yeah. thing that attaches to the <laughs> counter. And I was going to ask our friends to see if anybody had one we could borrow before I bought one. But um, yeah, homemade pasta. And then people are also spending the time making like what you know Italians call gravy like their red sauces or like a long mm. stewing ragu because they're home mm. again right people actually yeah. have the four hours it takes to make a good sauce and some homemade pasta so that's a really big thing for this year mm-hmm. that's really cool and it actually leads us into the the next point from mm-hmm. last year we were talking a lot about um, southern cooking so we see these uh styles of food and cuisine that's dependent on regions around the world, right? And that kind of feeds into what we're looking into this year, maybe? Yeah. So there was, it's become something that they're terming heritage cooking. And Mm -hmm. you and I thought this was so cool. So 
a couple of years ago when we were researching for the trends, and I don't think we ended up putting this in the episode, but we did learn that one of the things driving the travel industry at that time was things like Ancestor.ca, MyHeritage, um, 23andMe. When people were finding out what their DNA background was, they were traveling to those places, places that, you know, maybe small little parts of Eastern Europe that weren't getting a lot of tourists were suddenly getting a lot of tourists. Now, I think that because we can't travel, we're wanting to still connect with those parts of our heritage. And so people are starting to really research and ask for family recipes and they're trying to make things that their ancestors would have cooked and we know that those things did take time to cook and so Mm -hmm. they're home and they're really doing that so heritage cooking is really a fascinating thing that I wouldn't have predicted happening right now but yeah a lot more people are looking into cooking what their ancestors ate Mm -hmm. and I find this super cool because we have actually been digging into more Asian cooking this year Mm -hmm. And a big reason why is because I want to learn to make more food from my heritage. Um, My mom's side of the family moved to Canada from Hong Kong when she was a child. And so culturally, there was a lot of Chinese influence in terms of what we enjoyed eating. Uh, You know, we've been making more noodle dishes, even like wontons and dumplings, but like from scratch. Um, And I have hopes to eventually try making some bao, which are like steamed buns with different kinds of stuffing, either meat or vegetables or something like that. But I didn't even know that this was on trend. But you're right. Kind of like you with the pasta. Yeah. It was just something that I don't know what like what comes first, the chicken or the egg. Did we, just we have it. this desire? Yeah. Did we sense it? Or were we like influenced already before we even knew we were being influenced? That's uh, <laughs> Which head then scratcher. makes us the influencers, right? I think it's just further proof that <gasps> we are influencers. You've come to the right place. That's, <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Okay. So another thing though that's um that I do remember talking about last year and that I have actually been doing like these past couple of years. So mm-hmm. yes, maybe I am a trans- trendsetter and I don't even know it <laughs> is fermented foods, yeah. um, pickling foods. I've been doing kefir for a few years now and really, really love it. Only had to replace it once. Yeah. Um, and I can't believe that's a badge of honor that I have in my life, but <laughs> that's something yeah, that's uh, awesome. for someone who kills houseplants. So <laughs> There you go. (laughs) Well, you're right. Uh, This trend started a while ago in the foodie world, um, but based on the reports that mason jar lids were sold out everywhere uh, over the last year, it seems like everybody is trying their hand at food preservation. And there were some legitimate uh, fears about food shortages, right? Between the political Mm -hmm. climate, COVID and things shutting down and then horrible weather that hit Texas and other places, people were starting to really realize the benefit of storing as best they could and filling their pantries. So it was kind of like the, a bunch of things that all happened at the same time that just made the people who had maybe never tried it before finally try it this year. I'm not one Mm -hmm. of those people, but (laughs) maybe next year. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. If it's still on the list, how about we say if it's still a trend next year you you try fermenting okay. something okay it is interesting that fermentation is still on the list for this year too though because it's good for your gut health mm-hmm. right it's yeah. very rich in probiotics which helps you know your digestive health but also your immune system's health too so i think that's an interesting aspect maybe to its sustained popularity throughout this past year uh, with such an emphasis that we've had on building strong immune systems oh yeah absolutely 
So another thing that we're really seeing is the influence of social media sites like TikTok and Instagram on people's cooking and even virtual cooking lessons. There's just a lot more that we're watching on screens or gosh, all the TV shows about cooking, right? And again, we're stuck mm-hmm. at home. So we're watching all of this and it's really influencing what we cook. One of the first things that we saw with this was when everybody was doing the whipped coffee. I forgot what it was called. Dalgona coffee. Mm. Dalgona. Um, oh yeah. That was one of the first like TikTok things that a lot of people made. Oh my goodness. So that baked feta pasta that literally everybody <laughs> on my friends list made a couple weeks ago from yes. TikTok. Um, this is really interesting, right? Because we've never seen uh-huh. trends like this coming from social media sites like that, that everybody's adopting. So if you want to be ahead of the trends, the very next ones are all about whipped milk. So it's like strawberry mm. quick whipped with whipped cream and then like on top of your glass of milk or peanut butter and I love peanut butter but okay Mm -hmm. peanut butter with whipped cream and sugar whipped up uh, on top of milk so whipped milk is going to be one of the next TikTok trends apparently wow and then the other thing that I kept seeing all over TikTok is it's called like um, pancake cereal, but it's little mini pancakes mm. that you pour into a bowl. <laughs> so you've got to make all of these little <laughs> drops of pancakes. Then you put them in a cereal bowl. And then instead of milk, you pour syrup on top with sprinkles <gasps> and whipped cream or whatever. And it makes for a really cute Instagram photo. But wow. Yeah. My goodness. We do have a lot of time on our hands. <laughs> Some people do. <laughs> <laughs> we we will do the mini pancake things like as a fun little haha thing mm-hmm. when we make actual pancakes because those are just the drips yes, <laughs> from yes. your spoon. But wow, a whole bowl with syrup. That <laughs> is very interesting. Okay. All right. <laughs> so just back to alcohol for a minute. We might as well finish with alcohol. Um, okay. It's called the Artful <laughs> Jelly Shot or Jello Shot. So yes, Jello shooters have gone high end. And my prediction is that these become the hot chocolate bombs of the summer. So you're seeing like oh. Jello shots. But they're like done really pretty in like milky colors or those pastels, perhaps with like a, a flower embedded in them. And they're interesting flavors, but they are like high end, very fancy Jello shots. Yeah, this makes me wonder if like more Jello is coming. <laughs> All I can think about are those Jello cakes, like those from the. Is it more like a seventies thing where they would make those Jello cakes, or is gelatin in general coming back? I don't know if I, I get nervous is. with the Jello shooters, but oh, okay. I go. saw the words <laughs> wobbly desserts, and I'm like, okay, we're here again. Now oh. that was first a Victorian thing because it was, um, oh, okay, right. It was a demonstration of the skill that you had a refrigeration or something to keep these things cool, and then you owned all of the different molds, and that you had enough staff to make these because it was very labor intensive, and then they became huge again in the 50s when women did get fridges again like in the average Mm. house so to have like a fridge full of like um you know chilled desserts which honestly michelle i have right now i whipped up some puddings and jello right before we started recording which i never (laughs) do and i felt like such a 50s housewife sliding them all into the fridge (laughs) (laughs) chilled desserts um and so yeah 50s and then goodness you and i are both hoping that like the whole yeah 60s 70s thing of like uh, savory aspic dishes with like hard boiled eggs and hot dogs and like cans of corn poured into them like please tell me that that is not coming back I haven't seen that yet but I'm getting worried right yeah okay that's what I was um alluding to with my concerns Mm -hmm. I don't mind a fridge full of jello it was the (laughs) 
<laughs> it's the mini hot dogs in Jello that I'm like, ugh. <laughs> yes. Well, I do know that terrines were becoming really big in high end restaurants, mm-hmm. which is essentially like they use the gelatin in there, right? So. Yeah, okay. I, I I feel like a terrine is a first step to a hot dog and jello. So we'll see. It's a slippery slope. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And finally, once you have your outfit, once you have a destination restaurant in mind, uh, you need to put on your face. So here we come to beauty trends and I will never forget the Korean Mm -hmm. seven step beauty routine that you so um, (laughs) magnanimously volunteered to try out for all of us (laughs) way back in the day. Um, How is that going and what are we doing now? (laughs) Well, I'm personally done with it and just back to my more basic skincare routines. But um, there are still people are still really drawn to Asian beauty trends. It's still a massive trendsetter, especially in Korea so that but I don't haven't read of a lot of people doing the full Korean seven step beauty routine anymore but a few of the things that we've stuck with from that routine are still mm-hmm. like dewy skin and moisture and so uh, still a lot of serums are happening right if you watch any person doing their like nighttime routine videos which are really popular among celebrities they all put on like 20 different kinds of serums so I really think that mm-hmm. was what if anything came out of the Korean seven step step beauty routine it was that it was serums Okay. And I don't know what it is about this winter, but I have found it particularly harsh yeah. and drying yeah. on my skin. They have you noticed that. that too? Yeah. They actually said mm-hmm. that in an article that perhaps because everybody was home, but you and I are used to being home, but um, for all the people who mm-hmm. weren't used to being home, they did find that their skins were really, really dry. And so really good, mo- good quality moisturizers are what people were looking for more than anything else. Okay. Well, that's good to know. I think I I certainly do have to level up my moisture routine, which uh, wasn't much to begin with. So that's (laughs) not saying much. (laughs) So I actually really like this whole focus, though, on skincare. Um, Being, you know, people who aren't huge makeup um, influencers. (laughs) I think though everyone can recognize that having good skin is and healthy skin is more than half the battle when you're putting on makeup to begin with, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So I think one of the things we've also learned being home a lot this year is that women are having, have more time to take care of their skin and they actually don't want to be putting on makeup every day, right? Like they're just wanting mm. to like let their skin breathe and just enjoy that. So that it's something called skinimalism. Oh, <laughs> skinimalism. Yes. Right. It reminds me of skinimarink, <laughs> yes. right? Yes. Skinimarink, skinimalism. I had, Skinim- okay. yeah, I had to practice it many times, skinimalism. Um, but <laughs> if you guys haven't figured it out yet, it is skin minimalism. So it's just, yeah, really taking good care of your skin. And then there's been an increase of 180% in people who are Googling natural everyday makeup just wanting to Mm. wear the bare minimum, a really fresh face, um, a lot more neutrals on the face, but just like that we've talked about it before in our grooming episodes, like just looking groomed and well put together and clean and tidy and certainly not overdone. That's actually really in style right now. Hmm. That's really interesting. And I am happy to see that too, because that's more my go-to. So, um, I'd feel much more at home with that. But having said that, then there is 
always the other side, right? And we're uh, we were talking last year about like the smoky eye, um, warm golden tones in makeup, uh, glitter, which mm-hmm. is maybe not skinimalism, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, a swipe of bold color on the eyes uh, or soft pinks in your makeup. Mm-hmm. So where are we in terms of palettes for makeup then if natural glam is making a comeback? I What I saw is that if you are wearing makeup and you are like going out, then you're going bold with your eye because our mouths are covered, oh. right? So people are doing oh, really yeah. dramatic eye looks. Now, this did start before COVID, but it's certainly carrying on. So a lot of it, though, this year versus the shadows is in the eyeliner. A lot of fun eyeliner, either a very thick line, a very pigmented bright color, or still the glitter. Glitter eyeliner is mm. hanging in there, a really, you know, strong line of it, <laughs> or the classic cat eye done to whatever level of drama you like. But I am finding that people are still playing up the eyes. It's still a really full groomed brow as well. And they're really mm. doing that um, brushed up brow, very Brooke Shields, uh, early 1980s, yes. with all brushed straight up. That's really transitioning from that more sculpted brow to it being all brushed mm-hmm. straight up. So a very dramatic eye for the women who are wanting to play around with makeup um you know but have to have half of their face covered yeah that does make a lot of sense now that you say it okay so from bold colorful eyeliner we go now to hair and last year it was gray hair mm-hmm. that was the trend yeah. <laughs> um and for sure it's really taken on uh, quite an interesting trajectory this whole past year about gray hair letting your hair grow in if you are starting to grow your gray hairs um but what is it in terms of a cultural trends this year? Right. So last year, I forget the number, but we had seen a massive increase. And this is again that we were coming, we researched these trends right before the lockdowns happened. Uh, so mm-hmm. right before that, many, many women were deciding to let their gray hair come in. And then all of the women that weren't <laughs> were kind of forced into letting their gray hair come in. <laughs> Starting in the lockdowns, there were a lot of roots, more roots than ever. This went two ways. Uh, Some of those women Mm -hmm. continue to embrace the gray and happily are doing that. Or a lot of women learned how to do at-home hair coloring and got a little more inventive. Mm -hmm. I'm sure we saw a lot of our friends doing a lot of at-home things with their hair. Um, So that went one of two ways. Now, I would say, though, as a trend, gray hair is not a trend this year, but the Mm -hmm. trendy color is... uh, it's called almost red. So we're not talking bright red. They're ta- they're mm. looking at like a peach tone or a cinnamon brown. These tones that are almost red. And it's just really warm and it looks very different than what we've been seeing with like the cooler blondes and, and that gray and stuff over the last couple of years. Mm, interesting. Yeah, definitely more warm mm-hmm. in tone. It, would this be like an auburn? I guess so. I didn't read the word Auburn when they were describing mm-hmm. it anywhere, but um, yeah, I, I feel like that would fit the description. And so continuing with hair, then we were uh, like very, very straight hair was yeah. trendy in the previous years. Are we still in straight hair mode? I feel like we're seeing way more curls and volume and body than we've been seeing yes. in a while too, right? Again, I think um, with being home, <laughs> and this is what I'm yeah. loving about this year, like you were saying in the opening, so much of this is a reflection of our actual lifestyles right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know more women than ever who are doing the curly girl method or embracing their curls because they don't kind of have to worry as they're getting their hair to curl well that they're going into the office every day and looking a little out yeah. there. So um, a lot more natural hair. Now, Um, So I haven't been seeing that super straight hair 
um, when we've been looking online. But in terms of cuts, so there was the blunt bob that was in in the past. I was still seeing some of those, but the it cut, the it cut of 2021 is curtain bangs. And this is something mm. my daughter has been asking for for over a year and she can have them. She just... <laughs> she's all talk she wanted them but then every time I'm like well I'll do them for you then she chickens out so anyways she she has been telling me about curtain bangs for a year but they are really arguably the it cut so it's just um it's a center part as we know right Michelle it was made very mm -hmm. clear to us by I don't know Gen Z <laughs> that we are not to have our hair parted on the side anymore or wearing I think skinny jeans right. um so just make sure you guys my hair still parted on the side and will forever be parted on the side um yep. <laughs> but for hair that's parted in the middle these curtain bangs are like slightly swooped off to the sides like curtains and it's not mm -hmm. quite like Farrah Fawcett wings and I wrote yet in my notes because I feel like we're moving that right. way um mm -hmm. but yeah it's kind of shaggy it's cut really cool and it's just a lot of fringe and bangs all over the place whether they're curly bangs uh just a lot of movement and volume around the front of the face okay so curly bangs I have seen and mm -hmm. I have been tempted to get curly bangs mm -hmm. but the internet tells us not to cut bangs at home right in lockdown so I have I have been good and practicing my self-control um still curious though about the curly bangs mm -hmm. uh, I like how they look the one celebrity that has them right now I guess is Taylor Swift yeah she has good curly bangs and actually a friend on Instagram and the host of the letters to women podcast Chloe Langer yeah she has awesome curly bangs. I've admired her hair for quite some time now, and she's really done a good job of embracing that. So uh, maybe curly curtain bangs are still in my future, but I, um, I'm i just glad that curly hair is in because I feel like it, it's not often. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. It's really this natural movement, right, that we've been seeing, this mm -hmm. movement towards comfort and just transitioning into owning what is natural about you and your own beauty. And I have to say that the biggest trend that I've seen over the last year, and this wasn't in any of my Google searches, this is just something I've noticed myself, but there has been a massive increase in, I would just say representation of all different types of women on ads, mm. beauty ads, clothing ads, everything. Um, and at first, I think a lot of us kind of cringe a little bit going, oh, you're just trying so hard. But then I'm really seeing that mm. they have to do that at first. And now it just seems beautiful and natural. I'm seeing it everywhere from the flyers that come into our house to Instagram to other um just whenever you click on any store website you're really seeing women particularly of all different ages sizes ethnicities um just all that representation and so I have to say if there's one trend that has really grown over the last year or two that really does seem authentic now is that embracing of ourselves and our natural um beauty of our of our the skin we're in loving the skin we're in we happen to do a whole wow. episode on that yes <laughs> um, so yeah that's the biggest trend that I think was not a trend I'm hoping is not a trend but it's the biggest thing I've noticed in the last year Mm -hmm. And isn't it interesting too, how in a year where we have been so isolated and so cut off in many ways from other people, that this embracing of not only ourselves, who we are when no one else is looking, right? And um, to recognize that both within ourselves and in other people too, and appreciating it like you, I hope it's not a trend that goes out of style. It's just like a lifestyle that we embrace and move forward with. Okay, it's 
time for our What We're Loving This Week segment of the show. So Lindsay, what have you been loving this week? I'm actually going to share a podcast and it's the sister podcast to the modern lady called the Friday Finishing School. Oh, <laughs> mm-hmm. okay. Me, it's a little self-promotion first, but for those of you who don't know, the Friday Finishing School is exclusive to our Patreon supporters. And for just $5 a month, um, our listeners get a new episode of this beautiful podcast every two weeks. Okay. So I'm not Honestly, I'm honestly not just using this as an opportunity to plug our Patreon. I'm actually legitimately excited about this podcast. Mm-hmm. And so at first I had had, as you know, like this tiny little idea about how helping women rediscover or fall in love with the classical arts for the first time. And um, I've always said that I believe that women, you know, when armed with a little bit of information can feel way more empowered to voice their feelings on art. And that's just something that we've kind of lost. Now, you believe this too. And I got really excited when you suggested that we actually use that as our sister Mm -hmm. podcast, right? So that we kind of created the Friday finishing school and we had no idea what these episodes were going to look like, but we just recorded our fourth one. So it's, there's the three and then there's a bonus one. And I have loved, loved, like really loved researching and writing these episodes. And I've enjoyed talking about, you know, art and music and poetry with you, Michelle, during these Mm -hmm. episodes and hearing what you bring to the conversation. But I have really been blown away by the work that you've been doing in post-production, your musical selections, Mm. the editing, like it's just a beautiful podcast. And I am so proud of how we've blended education and entertainment. So never in my wildest dreams did I ever imagine that I'd be part of something as creative and as original as the Friday Finishing School. And yeah, it's a lot of extra work for us, but I really look forward to each episode and I love listening to them. I'm always pleasantly surprised by what you've done with it. And so Yeah, that's what I am loving this week is the Friday Finishing School podcast. Oh, I do love that because I have to say, I I have been pleasantly surprised how much I love it too. Mm -hmm. Like I really came into it as someone who very much did not know very much about the classics, Mm -hmm. always appreciated them, never quite understood them or knew what I was looking for. When, you know, someone would say, look at this painting, I'd be like, it is nice. Um, but <laughs> being able to talk about it and having a reason to look into it. And then I do like how we just keep, keep it really simple. It's a very yeah. simple podcast, like three things you should know. And you can use those as conversation starters. If you ever find yourself in a situation where you just dis- are discussing art or music or poetry or any of those things, then uh, that's basically what we're journeying towards together. And Yeah, I also enjoy both producing it and listening to it myself, too. I also have used it to help homeschool my children. So there is that option. Yeah, I totally have. (laughs) So what have you been loving this week? Well, we are pretty much caught up now on the TV show WandaVision on Mm. Disney Plus, and I really like it. Um, So a little bit of a backstory. Phil and I have long been fans of the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies. Mm -hmm. Uh, They have seen us through pretty much our entire relationship. Like, I remember going to the theater with him to see the movies as they came out while we were dating. We went as newlyweds. We got babysitters when our kids started coming. (laughs) And it all culminated with Endgame being released last year, which was our 10th wedding anniversary. (laughs) How is that for a romantic love story? That's my love story. (laughs) But now, so the next phase now is beginning. And I think it's neat that they're actually incorporating TV 
into the whole story arc of the universe, uh, not just movies. So that's where this show comes in, WandaVision. And it centers around two of the main characters from the Avengers, Wanda Maximoff and The Vision. And I won't get too much into their backstories, but after the movie Endgame and everything that happens to them, the two of them find themselves as the leads in an idyllic town starring in their own sitcom depicting the perfect suburban life. Now, what makes this show so cool is that each episode features them in a different era of TV. The first episode, they're in a 50s sitcom, then the 60s and the next episode, and they move through the 70s, the 80s, up to the 90s. And they weaved really well into, you know, very era appropriate storylines um, with Marvel working its magic and bringing the story arc to them even there. They even film it and the quality of the picture on your TV screen is familiar and similar to what you would recognize watching an actual show from those different eras. Okay, that's going to do it for us this week. If you want to get in touch and chat with us about our topic today, you can find us on our website www.themodernlady1950.wordpress.com or leave us a comment on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at The Modern Lady Podcast. I'm Michelle Sachs, and you can find me on Instagram at MM Sachs. And I'm Lindsay Murray, and you can find me on Instagram at Lindsay Homemaker. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great week, and we will see you next time. Mm-hmm.